Hi, everyone. Just a note before we get started. I didn't mention this in the Lord's Table section of our worship service this morning, but if you would like to join us live for communion on our Zoom coffee hour, uh, and you are listening to this before October the 4th, 2020 at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, you're welcome to join us. Just send an email to baptist.church at comcast.net, and we'll be happy to send you the Zoom link, and you can join us uh, on Zoom for the Lord's Table. Uh, but if you can't join us on Zoom, or you're listening after October the 4th, 2020 at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, uh, then we do have a Lord's Table service in the worship service this morning. Thank you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a love for our neighbor and a desire to protect the most vulnerable among us from this awful virus that is ravaging our state, our nation, and our world, we have suspended in-person worship for the time being. But while we have suspended in-person worship, we still remain a people who worship the risen Jesus Christ. 
And it's because Jesus is Lord that we are able to worship. And so this morning, as we sing, as we pray, as God's word is proclaimed uh, in all sorts of different ways, we pray that it's the spirit of the living God that is breathing life into our bones and is God himself animating our worship of him. This morning, we are recognizing a long-standing tradition in First Baptist Church of Oregon City. Uh, we like to give Bibles to students who are going into third grade. You know, we figure by this point they are, are gaining their, uh, their lifelong reading skills, and as they're uh, maturing as readers, we also want to make sure that they're maturing as followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is apparently a long-standing tradition uh, because uh, two, at least two members uh, mentioned to me in a meeting the other day that we had over Zoom that they still had their third-grade Bibles that were given to them by First Baptist Church of Oregon City, and that was <coughs> years ago, and, uh, <laughs> and so... Uh, and so we continue that tradition today. And even though they are not here to receive their Bibles, uh, they, they have or will receive their Bibles uh, within the next few days. And that those students who are receiving their third grade Bibles are Geo Crisp, Ethan Foster, and Evelyn Leatherman. And so they will be uh, receiving a, a Bible that hopefully will be their companion in learning about Jesus, in learning about who God is, and learning to live their lives in light of the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as they receive those Bibles, we pray for them that God's word would truly be a lamp to their feet and a light to their path and that the Lord would bless them and protect them, that the Lord would make his face shine upon them and be gracious to them, that he would show them his favor and give them his peace. And we hope that you are experiencing God's peace this morning as you worship along with us. We do have a Zoom coffee hour every Sunday morning at 11.30 Pacific time. And, and if you start your podcast around, uh, our, our worship podcast around 10.30, it finishes right around 11.30, and then you can join the Zoom. If you don't have the Zoom link, uh, make sure you email baptist.church at comcast.net, and we'll be happy to send it out to you. And so as we worship today, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. 
persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse, for his promise will endure. There's joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes with the morning. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father God, we praise you for the Holy Spirit who grants us wisdom, fills us with life, guards our hearts, and illuminates our mind to comprehend the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us settle for nothing less than the pure, unadulterated truth that you have revealed to us in your holy word. For we confess that apart from you, we can do nothing. So please forgive us for the ways in which we have disobeyed your word to put our own selfish desires before the needs of others. For the Holy, by the Holy Spirit, we ask that you lead us into repentance and a life that glorifies you. Help us to resist the allure of the world's deceitful philosophies, promising hollow pleasures that ultimately lead to death and destruction. Put a deep desire in our hearts to know wisdom of the Bible and use it to transform and renew our mind. Use each one of us to exemplify your holiness and love to this world as we aspire to follow Jesus and put his commands into action. Make us your gospel lights this week to those wandering in darkness among our families, friends, neighbors, and co-workers. Embolden us as well as our brothers and sisters across the world to unashamedly proclaim our faith in Jesus Christ. Use our testimonies for your glory to help save souls. Lord, I lift up to you all the prayer requests from our congregation. Young Church, and the community to you. Many of us have concerns for our families, neighbors, co-workers, and friends. You know all the details and have an answer for every request. Help us to listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us the solution. Help us to put our faith and trust in you. For those who need comfort, give them a touch from you. For those who need healing, if it be your will, heal them. 
Whatever your will is, we know it is perfect and righteous. Be with those who have lost their homes during the fires. Help them receive the help that they need. Help us as Christians to show the love of Jesus by being generous with gifts and our time. Thank you, Lord, for those who have answered the call to be missionaries in foreign lands. Protect them as they share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to support them with our offerings and our prayer support. Since school has opened, I would like to pray a special prayer for the teachers. Dear God, grant our teachers an abundance of your wisdom. Prepare their hearts to welcome and love our kids. And may we make sure to show them love and respect in return. Give them grace as they help students who aren't thriving, the courage to say what needs to be said, tools and knowledge on how and when to speak love, and strength when they feel weak. When they feel unseen, remind them that no moment goes unnoticed. They are shaping in one million small, yet incredibly important ways every day. We are overwhelmed with gratitude for the gift of learning they share with our children. Bless them, Lord. May they see even just a glimpse of how their faithfulness will forever impact generations to come. Bless our pastor today as he brings the message from his ongoing series from Romans 8. And may our podcast be a blessing to all who hear it. All this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father, a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Let all Israel repeat, what if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? A man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab. The man was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. Later, Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women named Orpah and Ruth. About ten years later, both Malon and Kilion died, leaving her with no husband or sons. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in a palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made a queen for just such a time as this. The waters would have engulfed us 
A torrent would have overwhelmed us. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me, am I God, that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Praise the Lord who did not let their teeth tear us apart. So Boaz took Ruth into his home. She became his wife and she gave birth to a son. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. We escape like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Haman, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted to crush and destroy them on the date determined by casting lots. But when Esther came before the king, he issued a decree causing Haman's evil plot to backfire. Our help is in the Lord who made heaven and earth. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. For our scripture reading this week, we are going to read a larger section of Romans than than we will be looking at just this week, because we're kind of going to look at the same chunk of Romans uh, both this week and next week, because I feel like context matters, and, and it's important for us to have the full context. So we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 30, and we'll read the whole thing this morning. But then we'll focus in just on 26 through 30, and next week we'll focus in on 18 through 25. I promise we'll we'll get through all of it. So here is Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 30, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning 
as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them the right standing, he gave them his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Something that I have found over the past few years to be a great blessing in my life has been using written out prayers in both worship and my private prayer life. And I don't just mean where I write out prayers, though I do write my prayers frequently. I also mean using prayers that are certified pre-owned, prayers that other people have prayed and have written down, prayers that are weeks old, days old, hours old, but prayers that are also centuries old, thousands of years old. And I find richness and depth in these because they've stood the test of time. They they are prayers that, that God's people have been praying as long as people have been following Jesus. They may not specifically be Baptist prayers, but that's okay. They're Christian prayers, and they are part of God's family. And the other reason that I I think there's such a richness in these prayers is because they are spirit-filled, and they are spirit-filled prayers that other people have prayed in the power of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit fans the flames of the meaning of these prayers in our lives as well. They're relatable. We can relate to them. Because ultimately, whether you're talking about the first century of our common era, or whether you're talking about the 1500s or 2020, the human condition is the same. We're broken. We are broken, flawed people who are living within a world 
where there are powers of darkness that have set themselves up as the unmatched authority as in rebellion against the lordship of Christ, who is the true king and lord of our world. And so the struggles that we have as believers in 2020 may be different culturally than, say, believers in the 1600s or the 900s or right after Jesus ascended into heaven. But they're also the same in that it's the same type of stuff that comes from, from all of those, from that human condition that we continue to live in. And so when we read prayers that, are, that have been prayed by Christians for, for years or that we find very meaningful, um, we can pray these prayers because they still resonate through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. And somebody the other day brought up a good question uh, challenging, challenging me a little bit on this. And the question was, where in this is room for the Holy Spirit? Now, let me make something clear. I, don't, I do not ever want to say that the only way to pray is to use prayers that somebody else has written you know, before you sat down to pray, whether that was an hour before you sat down to pray or a million hours before you sat down to pray. Written out prayers give us a, a glimpse into a life of the Spirit that somebody has lived before us and that the Spirit has preserved over time. But it is still important nonetheless for us to learn to find the words to say for ourselves in prayer out of the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. So what I don't want people to think is the only way to pray is through old prayers, new prayers, pre-written prayers, things that other people have written. No, no, no. Because if that's the only way to pray, then we would have like two prayers that people just kept praying over and over again. Your prayers through the power of the Holy Spirit, are valuable. They're meaningful. And even if they're not meaningful to anyone else but you, they are still precious to the ears and presence of God. Because when we pray, we are entering into the throne room of God and placing these directly before the Lord himself. Paul, in this passage, has laid out a section of the book of Romans that I, I, I said last week, it's one of my top five favorite pieces of scripture, is Romans chapter 8. And in this section... He talks about the suffering that we go through 
inhumanity, the suffering that we go through in our lives, the suffering that not just we go through as humanity, but that all creation goes through because of the broken state of our world. And we're going to talk more about that, that broken state of our world and the suffering and the redemption next week. That's, that's a sneak preview uh, for next week. But there's a, there's a word that's common to both the first chunk, 18 to 25, and the chunk that we're looking at today, and that word is groaning. And when you think about groaning, this is not a sound that is pleasing to the ear. When you hear somebody groaning, you know something is wrong. You know that the salsa at the, from the Mexican takeaway was a bit too spicy, and now there is something, there is a, a rumble down under, and, uh, and there are going to be problems. You, you are not feeling very well if you are groaning. Um, you know that there, there are problems if you are groaning and you have just been in the car too long and you're driving and the person sitting next to you goes, oh, I'm so tired of being in the car. There's a problem. And then there's other types of groaning that, that are a bit more serious. Um, when I was a young seminarian, I had to do a chaplaincy at a convalescent center. And a lot of times you would walk through the halls and you would hear groaning. And it was the groans of people who had no words for the pain they were going through physically. It was a lack of words for the pain that they were going through mentally. And so they groaned. And Paul frames the Spirit's involvement in our prayer through suffering. And this is not to take anything away from prayers of praise, but he's, he's couched his view of, of the Holy Spirit in prayer through suffering because it is in suffering that we become like Christ. Suffering shapes us to become more like Jesus, whether we like to admit that or not. We are people who avoid suffering. Uh, we, we, take, we take our vitamin every morning because we want to avoid suffering. We wear a mask when we go to the supermarket so that we do not spread anything we might have, and we hope that other people are wearing their masks, well, it's required, um, so that they do not spread anything they don't have, so that we all avoid the suffering of COVID. And there are good types of suffering avoidance. That's a good type of suffering avoidance. But then there are the other types of suffering avoidance that we do where we try to ignore our feelings, we try to ignore situations that cause suffering, and sometimes that leads us to withdraw or hold back our love for other people, because when you love something, you risk it causing you pain. And there's suffering that comes to us whether we like it or not. We are human beings. 
Our bodies are made to live in a world that decays and at some glorious point in the future, Christ will return to earth. He will raise the dead to life in in the ultimate act of resurrection with the same power that God used to raise Jesus to life. Whoever is living at the time, their bodies will be transformed into a perfect body. But until then, well, these things are, are they're clunkers that are going to break down eventually. And eventually they're going to stop. Suffering. But sometimes there's suffering that ends this life too soon. Children die in car wrecks school shootings. We see wildfires burning all over the globe. Terrorist attacks, wars, famines, all of it causes suffering. And that suffering makes us Christ-like because Christ experienced all human suffering. And when we pray, we are taking our human condition and bringing it before God. And our prayers ought to be forming us and shaping us into a Jesus-shaped people. We take that suffering in the form of the cross and we offer it to God through prayer. We offer it to God through the prayers that we can say. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And there are times that we are experiencing suffering or we see suffering and we want to pray to God for it. And there are times that we can pray about suffering when you find out that a friend has cancer and you email the the prayer chain to have it put out, you're able to say, pray for my friend so-and-so because they were just diagnosed with cancer. And you can go to the Lord in prayer and say, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with so-and-so as they're dealing with their cancer. And you can go on and elaborate from there. And those are good prayers to pray. It's good and right and proper for us to pray for people that way. And it's good for us to pray those prayers when we can pray them. The prayers that we can pray regularly are shaped by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Because the closer we are to the suffering the closer we identify ourselves to whatever the suffering is, the weaker we are to pray for it. Which is kind of a strange thing because we know that this suffering needs to be addressed, but the closer we are to it, the greater the suffering is for us and the greater we sense the pain in the suffering. And so while we can we offer the prayers that we're able to for suffering that we see, for suffering that we encounter. 
And there's sometimes, however, that we just don't know what to pray. That we just can't fathom that there's this much suffering in the world. One of those times for me was the Sandy Hook school shooting where a a gunman opened fire on an elementary school. And my mom was a teacher for her career, spent 40 odd years as a fourth grade teacher. My dad, before he passed, was a behavior disorders teacher. My wife, Katie, is a teacher. I, I have been, I've been the product of preachers and teachers. And so education means a lot to me. And children mean a lot to me. I've worked with, with children ever since I was a high school student. I, I have the picture of my very first uh, group of kids that I was in charge of at Vacation Bible School uh, when I was like 15 years old. And... And so to find out that there is this sort of evil in our world that would seek to take the life of children, that would use a weapon crafted for no other reason than human destruction, and to turn it on children was beyond my capacity to pray. And there have been other times, too, that I've been beyond the capacity to pray. And I'm sure, as you're listening to this, you can think of a time that you didn't know what to pray for and that you just sat in stunned silence. As followers of Jesus, in whom the Holy Spirit dwells, When we sit in that stunned silence, the Holy Spirit is praying for us. The Holy Spirit is praying through us with groans. With this groaning that can only come from deep in our souls when the compassion that we have for hurting and suffering people matches the compassion that God has for hurting and suffering people. And God has that compassion, and he's always had that compassion. But we know God has that compassion because God himself became a hurting and suffering person through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we grab onto this compassion, sometimes it renders us speechless, and that's okay. And in those moments, we can turn that over to God and we can just sit and acknowledge God's presence and the Holy Spirit groans in ways that we can't hear. We can't hear, we can't understand. And I can't promise you that there'll be ways that we can feel, so to speak, I can't promise you that that we'll have like this emotional or internal tingle or feeling or awareness 
because we may just be numb. But we have that assurance that the Holy Spirit is praying and is bringing this before God. Now, we also have to be aware that this is not just a singular us praying. This is a plural. There are times when we as God's people, as the church, need to stop for a minute and acknowledge the fact that there may be so much hurting and suffering and pain in our world that we need to get together for prayer, that we need to, wherever we are, you know, as we're, as we're in our homes, as we're, as we're spread out, or when the time comes that we can gather again, that we, as God's people together, pray whether with words or with silent groans that we pray over the hurting that's happening in our world and acknowledge it. This prayer, whether through our own words or silently or through written out words, ought to be forming us to be like Jesus. Because the more we allow the Holy Spirit power in our lives, the more we clear out space in our lives, in our church, as a body, for the Holy Spirit, we should be becoming more like Jesus. The prayers that we pray should sound more like Jesus' prayers. When we see the Holy Spirit at work, it looks like Jesus because the role of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of all of the things that Jesus said to us. And among the things that Jesus said were prayers, prayers of great suffering and sorrow. Yes, prayers of joy. We, we can talk about that another time, but prayers of suffering and sorrow came from the lips of our Lord and they should come from our lips too in the ways of Jesus. Because we are a people who are being formed to be like Jesus. God, in his foreknowledge, with all wisdom and knowledge that our God has, selected a group of people to be his people. And we, aren't, we don't know all of the mechanics of how God calls us or how God reaches out to us. But God does, and the purpose for God reaching out to us is to draw us in, to draw the whole world into the family of God that will then become a Jesus-shaped family 
we will look like Jesus. Our interaction as a family will look like Jesus. Healing, renewing, forgiving, rejoicing, mourning, praying. And we have to pay attention to how this is happening. Because if the family of God doesn't look like Jesus, then it may mean we're not praying like Jesus. It may mean that we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to have the fullest control of our family life. And if we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to have full control of our family life or our personal lives, then we're going to look like whatever we think is important. Just a fact. We'll go to the next priority. And we'll start to avoid suffering. But when we pay attention to what's going on in our world, to what's going on in our family, to, to the work of the Holy Spirit, it will lead us into, directly into the paths of hurting people. But it will also shape us to be like Jesus. And this is the great blessing that Paul gives us in Romans 8.28. I want to read it again to you. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. If we are following in the ways of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, and if our prayer is leading us to be more Christ-like, then we will start to see how all of these things are shaping us to be like Jesus. That all of these things, good and bad, easy and difficult, are shaping us to be like Jesus. And we have to ask ourselves, is our prayer life, both individually and as a community, shaping us to see how we are like Jesus? Are we able to see that the sufferings that we're going through are good? Or are we simply muddling through, waiting for it all to be over? I don't think any of us planned to deal with COVID or wildfires or murder hornets or anything else in 2020. But have these things brought us together more as God's people and as a people who have a greater heart for suffering people and vulnerable people and hurting people? Have they brought us to the point where we can only drop to our knees or if your knees are bad, sit in the chair and and just sit silently before God and let the Holy Spirit groan through us. Because that is God's purpose for suffering, is to make us Christ-like. And if our, our lives, both individual and communal, are submitted to the Holy Spirit, we will suffer but it will make us like Jesus. And the more 
It makes us like Jesus. The more we will see Jesus working in the world, the more we will see a world that needs Jesus. And as it tells us at the end of that passage, through suffering, we will be living as the glory of God, a healing presence in a lost and hurting world. And this, my friends, is why we pray and why we pray well.
now to the Lord's table. It is the table that is set for us by Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. Instead of giving a big long speech like this one, <laughs> or, uh, or instead of saying, okay, now I'm going to give you copies of my new book, Jesus gave them a meal. And he gave them a meal to demonstrate as a lesson, what was going to happen to them, to him. And we come to that table now as God's people so that we can see Jesus here, we can see each other here, and we can see Jesus present in our world just a little bit better for having been here. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time. You who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. In this we proclaim to you a mystery. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. Let us pray. Loving God, through your goodness, we have this bread and cup to offer which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves, a single living act of praise. Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Looking back at what Christ accomplished on the cross, we eat this bread. Take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me 
as often as you drink it. Looking back at what Christ did on the cross and looking ahead to a time when we will drink this anew in Christ's presence when he returns to our earth. Take and drink. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. Let's pray together. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more than ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We are glad you've joined us today for worship. We're glad you have joined us today at the Lord's table. And we're glad you have joined us for prayer and for singing and for hearing God's word read aloud. If there is anything that we can pray for in your life, don't hesitate to get in touch with the church. Our website is onebaptistchurch.org and the church phone number and, and email address are there. And we'd be happy to pray for you, to reach out to you and, and be the presence of Christ however we can. I'd like to thank our director of worship and youth, Melissa Mellinger, for our music this morning. I'd like to thank our church moderator, Jim Leatherman, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank... Jeannie Vance for our prelude, which was How Great Is Our God. I'd like to thank Katie Witham for leading the First Baptist Church readers uh, in the creative scripture reading. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making this all sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. <laughs>